The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Attached Notes. D. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we have been sitting on this bonus episode for months. Yes, we have. So, if you have not listened to the Princess and the Frog episode yet, you are going to want to listen to the Princess and the Frog episode before you listen to this one, because there was, believe it or not, there is an ongoing meta plot. There is, yes. D-Yensen stuff, if you have not picked that up. And there was a really big reveal last episode. We revealed what the D stands for. Bonus episode four, D is for Disney. <laughs> or, last stop on the spoiler train. Choo-choo! D is for Danny. So, a bit of background here. In our previous bonus episodes, Tom was doing a lot of the taking point because they they were the adventures that he was writing and they were his baby. But as I mentioned at the end of the Princess and the Frog episodes, D is really my baby. I don't just read the things, I also write the things. So, D D is my my little sassy baby. (laughs) uh, So, I'm going to be kind of taking point on this one. And we knew from the beginning that we were going to be having this kind of epistolary element to the episodes. This is taking something from the old material, take your bingo card, slash take a drink. (laughs) And in the third edition material, it was, to make a long story short, being produced by White Wolf, (laughs) and it did have that White Wolf writing style of being an in-character narrator, and then occasionally, like, another perspective in, like, sidebar texts mm-hmm. or like these marginal texts so it what rachel wants to say a little as our third edition expert <laughs> wants you to talk a little bit about d's spiritual if a presumably not physical mother dear heavens no s <laughs> well yes s was if you've been hanging around with the ravenloft grognards s was the narrator in the uh, the gazetteers and the whole thing with S was that Aslan was sending her around to do these surveys of the domains. And it was eventually, you know, just like we've been dropping little bits and pieces around in our write-ups you may have been picking up on. It was coming out in the Gazetteers that Aslan was sending S around because he was trying to learn out about these plans that were being sown by the gentleman caller that were hopefully going to be able to get both of them out of Ravenloft. S had no idea about any of this. She was just bopping around collecting information about the domains. But she was gradually picking up on the fact that Aslan had his own agenda and was really not pleased about that. And we really liked that dynamic. That was a really cool back and forth. The Ravenloft stuff is, if those of you who are in our generational cohort, mm-hmm. who are old enough to remember when Hocus Focus first came out, and <laughs> then you might also remember that, that classic White Wolf game, Vampire the Masquerade style, And that style of writing, the kind of in-character voice with the kind of marginal other voice sort of making snarky comments or disagreements, that was a really cool style of writing. And honestly, I think some of the Ravenloft stuff is some of the best executed that White Wolf was producing Mm -hmm. in terms of it doesn't like overwhelm the setting material and also the meta plot and the story of what's going on with the narrators does never overwhelm the setting material. But it just becomes these really cool Easter eggs where if you're reading a lot of this stuff, you're picking up that there is this bigger story going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was, it was incredibly cool. And we mentioned in our prologue that our friend Chris Newton was the one who helped us come up with the idea of doing this as a podcast. And originally it was his idea to have the narrator because originally he was going to be working on the podcast with us. 
And he was like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we were doing this weird, like, metatextual thing where he was writing the narrator bits. And it was like the narrator is going around learning about these Disney domains. But it's also kind of a commentary because Chris is the Ravenloft noob among us. So he was also going to be learning about Ravenloft. And this is is the kind of metatextual dorkiness that we get into in my role-playing group, guys. Bunch of English majors (laughs) just rolling dice, having a good time. So then, you know, Chris had to bow out because he has a very full podcast dance card, but we still wanted to keep this idea. This was a great idea, but now that we didn't have that kind of gimmick, we didn't really have a voice for our narrator, and I was trying to write some of the narrator bits, and it was really hard not to just do diet S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, that was kind of the, the, the template that I had, and I needed something else to hang my hat on. I don't remember which of us came up with the idea of calling the narrator D. And having the one initial name is sort of the reference to S, Mm -hmm. and also that it is the D for Disney, as it says in the title of the episode. (laughs) And that narrowed our focus. Mm -hmm. Okay, if we're saying D, then that gives us a menu of potential characters to draw from, not like all of Disney. And we want it to be a reference. We want Mm -hmm. it to be a Disney character and not like an OC or anything like that. And originally I was kind of trying to write her as an OC that was like sort of a Disney pastiche. Yeah, I had had stuff about how she wanted more than her poor provincial life (laughs) and that was what she was going and exploring. But then again, she was taking a bit too much from Belle and we knew we wanted Belle to be dead. So that was kind of weird. I'm glomming onto the idea of doing a specific character. Let's you know, figure out what specific character we want to do. And Tom was the one who... Right. I don't know how it came to me. It was maybe it was watching like trailers for Hocus Pocus 2 or whatever. But it came to me that D could also be for Danny. And that Danny is a great character. She is a PC. She is incredibly <laughs> proactive. Like this mm-hmm. is actually like your average PC is a lot like Danny. Yeah. <laughs> and sarcastic and proactive. Mm-hmm. And she has such a clear voice. Like mm-hmm. Hocus Pocus does have... The characters have this, I mean, it's in a very good way, kind of cartoony element of being these very broad types. And it meant that, you know, anyone could sit down and think about how Danny would react to a situation Mm -hmm. and probably like do a decent impression of Danny because she is such a strong character. And that also then gives us a fun like backstory for this character. And then that can be the launching point for our podcast meta plot, which Mm -hmm. exists. Yes. With Danny having a very distinctive voice, you know, Azalyn has known who D is from the beginning, obviously. That's how he's been able to tailor the responses so well for it. And when I mentioned that I was having a little bit of trouble getting the voice, you know, Azalyn mentioned, well, you know, it's, this is an exact quote from our Discord conversation. Is Danny from Hocus Pocus, right? I think she would take very little crap, but less of S's sass and more direct bleep-off dude attitude. <laughs> Also, I, you know, being a GM, I like my pacing, I like my surprises, my plot Mm -hmm. twists, and I realized that if we cheat a little Mm -hmm. and have it be that everything we're doing is animated, but our narrator, our D, is a live-action Disney character, Mm -hmm. that would help preserve the plot twist, and that way we could legitimately drop hints and clues and there's less chance of uh, people figuring it out. And we get that wonderful bomb-dropping Taroka card reading that we got that I hope Mm -hmm. some of you at least had shock at (laughs) the realization. (laughs) I really hope so. When you uh, listen to that part of the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, once Tom had the realization that D stood for Danny, it was, again, it was still a little bit tricky in the first episode 
trying to imagine what Danny would be like as an adult because she's such a great child character. Mm. And it worked great with a couple people after the pilot dropped were commenting on how ridiculously mean Aslan was. <laughs> <laughs> and that was perfect because it gave Danny a, a way to be, oh, bleep off old man. Uh-huh. And from then on, their relationship was born. And it has been so much fun to write her ever since. Also, that we have this backstory, and that's good for plot reasons, but it's also good for characterization. Mm-hmm. That we can say, imagine this happen in Ravenloft, and take it a little more emotionally seriously. Yeah. And then that, She's got massive PTSD. Exactly, yeah. Oh the, my gosh. <laughs> and then that gives us a lot to work with in terms of the motivation for the character making the choices that are dramatically interesting for our story. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of imagining what things would look like with a Ravenloft version of Hocus Pocus and of Danny, and what a kind of an adult version of Danny would look like. And I would just like to say... <laughs> the, okay, so some people have complained about Hocus Pocus 2 and said that Hocus Pocus 2 is derivative and too much just doing the Hocus Pocus movie all over again. My friends, my listeners... <laughs> I read the 2018 novel, which was simply titled Hocus Pocus and the All-New Sequel, (laughs) for you! For you! Not planning to read this till we came up with a podcast. It was an anniversary thing, and it was a novelization of the original and the All-New Sequel, which which is the most titled sequel ever gets. It seems to be based on a script that they originally had floating around for Hocus Pocus that mercifully was not the script they used for Hocus Pocus 2. So every time anyone complained about Hocus Pocus 2, I was like, you guys have no idea how much worse it could have been. This movie is Citizen Kane. Yeah. (laughs) Hocus Pocus 2 was not a perfect film. It was not as good as the original. My comment when I saw it was, I think this is pretty much the best sequel we were going to get. And the reason I said that was because Rachel has told me about Hocus Pocus 2 and the all-new sequel. Yes. We were discussing this. Dear listeners, if you want (laughs) a bonus episode in which I tell Tom the plot of Hocus Pocus 2 and read quotes in great detail as he becomes increasingly gobsmacked, (laughs) we will do that. And swear a lot. (laughs) <laughs> yes, this will be an adults-only adult episode. episode. <laughs> we will do that. But I am not reading Hocus Pocus in the all-new sequel again for free. <laughs> so we have mentioned we got a tip jar. If we get $25 in our tip jar, we will give you We this will give you that episode. bonus episode, yes. <laughs> if you want the monkey to dance, you have to drop a nickel in the cup. <laughs> like, we, we are not going to do very many, like, overt fundraising drives, right, but, I promise. But I am not reading this book again this for free. Garbage. <laughs> But I do want to share the awfulness Good of it Lord. with you. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there you go, folks. <laughs> Hashtag Hocus Pocus 2 drunk sequel, all new sequel money. <laughs> we'll make a drinking game out of it. Yeah, we will. It, it, we'll, we'll put Every up. time there's a reference to Hocus Pocus. Sheepers, creepers. <laughs> no, we die. We die of liver failure. <laughs> The one and only thing that we are taking from the all-new sequel so far, something else might come up, I don't know. If there are any Hocus Pocus of the all-new sequel fans out there, then, you know, there will be more Easter eggs, who knows. But there was the reference in the prologue to when she was talking to her brother, she mentioned him having a daughter. Max and Allison do have a daughter. She is, of course, the main character of the brand new sequel. What else could you have? Who else is going to be the main character? So, if it ever comes up that you know, that Danny has her niece, whose name is Poppy, then 
<laughs> Poppy is from the terrible brand new sequel, which you might hear more about. Stay tuned. So, all right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Getting off the subject of Focus Pocus on the brand new sequel, because that is... That's a little sample. Yes. <laughs> so... The backstory we came up with is based on what we see in Hocus Pocus. So they came from Hollywood. He's Hollywood with his shoes. Right, yeah. He's very stylish. And then they come down to Salem, which is, you know, in the movie is being presented as just this total backwater. And so we figure out her name is Danny. So clearly that's short for Danielle, Mm -hmm. which sounds French. And so we figure that our big, you know, kind of metropolitan, cosmopolitan culture place that they're coming from is obviously going to be Damon Lou. Absolutely. In which Max's shoes are incredibly important to him because if he gets the right shoes, then he might get invited to Cedric Ooh, Hunter's wouldn't ball. that be great? Yeah. <laughs> Make a name for himself there. So they were they were living the high life in Port of Lucene. And then their parents decided that, you know what? No, we are, we are tired of this keeping up with the Joneses nonsense mm-hmm. and moved out. We haven't decided yet if we're going to have Salem be its own domain. We really like the idea of doing a Hocus right. Pocus we, we episode. We want to make this work. We do. But we're, we're still working on it. We're still trying to figure it out. So that's why we've been kind of coy in the write-ups. Like, Danny has mentioned being in Darkon, like spending time in Darkon. Mm-hmm. We're deliberately being coy about whether she lives in Darkon or maybe Salem is just, like, bordering Darkon and she, you know, has gone over there a couple times. The great thing about if it is in Darkon is that they're not going to miss Damon Lou for long because mm-hmm. they'll live in Darkon all their lives. <laughs> and then for their last name, we're going to butcher some French again, mm-hmm. I apologize. But their last name is Denison. So I think the French version of this is pronounced Denise. So there, she's Danielle Denise. And her brother is Maximilian Denise. Maxime I would like to, for short. I would like to point out that between this and our Beauty and the Beast episode, we have managed to butcher the full name of the director of Dune. <laughs> Denise and Villeneuve. <laughs> Villeneuve. <laughs> ah. The use before the B. Speak English, France. <laughs> we promise when we get to Snow White and it's a Sherwood, we're going to pronounce things a lot better. Well, I am anyway. She will, yeah. <laughs> I make no such promises. So this is, I, I'm going to kind of give her a little write-up as one of the Miss Travelers like we have with, like, Alan Icaray and some of the others, mm-hmm. and put that, just post it somewhere. <laughs> but her formal name is Danielle Denis. Yes. So, yeah, they went to Salem, which is either a village in Darkon or a small domain bordering Darkon, and then Hocus Pocus happened. And if Hocus Pocus actually happened with you, you would be dealing with a whopping helping of PTSD, which uh-huh. is what Danny is working through right yep, now. Yep, yep. So she not only has, as Dr. Vasilia pointed out, she never wants to feel small again, mm-hmm. but she's also got the fact that if she ever gets in trouble again, she knows that Max is going to come racing in and get himself killed. Yep. So, you know, lots of lots of fun there for Azalyn to absolutely not manipulate her with. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom mentioned we're talking about doing a write-up for Danny, and in this write-up, as we have been doing with all of our Dark Lords, we're going to have her trait, her ideal, her bond, and her flaw. And for the small number of you in our poll who said, don't do it live on air, just figure it out in advance and tell us, you're going to get an idea of what that would have looked like uh, if we decided it's to do It's your lucky that. day. It's your lucky day. 
because we've known Danny's basic <laughs> trade ideal bond and flaw for a while now, <laughs> and and we can we can share them with you. It was a little tricky finding quotes for some of them, just because she is a less internal character. Mm-hmm. But we think we got a couple yeah. good ones. Also, it's hard because a lot of them make sense in context, yeah, but yeah. out of context. So like. A really good trait for her would have been, this is your home now, so get used to it. Uh-huh. If she's very down-to-earth, she's very no-nonsense, but that makes no sense about the entire conversation. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So. And like that, that really is so specific to her conversation. It could be like a threat to someone <laughs> out of context. <laughs> okay. So, Tom, I've been talking a lot. Why don't you kind of take over with the uh, trade ideal bond and flaw, because we work those out together. So. Okay, so trade ideal bond and flaw... Trait, the easiest, that one that we had on the script before almost any of the rest of the mm-hmm. script, the bond we had, I love you, jerk face. Yes. That this was the very first thing we came up with. This is, she is such a loving person. She loves her family so much. She cares for them. But she's Danny, so it's going to have that little bit of spice on it. It's going to have that, <laughs> that little bit of, of Danny sass. Yes. And really, that's why we love her, comma, jerk face. The ideal was a little tricky until we stumbled on the cheat code of abbreviating certain quotes. Yes. <laughs> because we were saying, Danny, her ideal, she is such a caretaker, she loves people so much, and we have that just wonderful scene with Binks. And this is one of those scenes where like, Hocus Pocus is a delightful little cotton candy of a movie for the most part, but occasionally it'll get a little, like, spikier. It'll get a little more mm-hmm. interesting. I think mean, it's part of why people love it so much, is it is more than just a fun camp confection of a Halloween treat. And that scene where she is with Binks and she's saying, you know, they think they defeated the Sanderson sisters and she says, I'll always take care of you and then my children will take care of you and then my grandchildren will take care of you forever and ever. And the just idea that she has thought through what it means to have an immortal cat. And she's even thought about her own mortality. Mm-hmm. And she's she's her love for this cat is like so deep that she's making this pledge and even addressing her own mortality, that this will be this almost family legacy. That I'll mm-hmm. take care of you. My children will take care of you. Their children will take care of you forever and ever. And that's so much like the best in Danny. Yeah. And even kind of the, she's such a child character, but that's even the beginning of like the idea of taking our responsibility. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we have, we abbreviated it and we have, I'll always take care of you forever and ever. Because the, I always take care of you. And then when I die, my children and their children, that's too specific for mm-hmm. Banks. But the, I will always take care of you forever and ever, that applies to so much of what we are doing with her relationships with anyone. Her sort of best self is this protector and this caretaker and this person of just deep, deep love and deep loyalty. But you can't protect anyone if you're a helpless little girl tied to Yes. So, <laughs> so this is kind of getting us into her flaw. Mm-hmm. And for our version, a quote about, like, wanting power to take care of people would be a better fit. Mm-hmm. But if that's our take on an adult version of Danny, that's not anything like that in the movie. No. So we looked at a couple of quotes and, like, okay, what's her flaw? Her flaw is, well, you know, there's the sassiness we love, but also she shoots her mouth off. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she does not think before she She acts. does not think before she talks, before she acts. She really doesn't have a lot of social graces. She's never tried the diplomatic route. She never tries to really win people over. <laughs> it's very much, she tells it like it is. She says what she's thinking. So we have Drop Dead Moron. <laughs> and that's the scene where Ice and Jay are taking the treats. And these two, like, big teenage boys are 
saying she has to pay the tax before they just kind of doing this negotiation kind of that that horrible bully thing of sort of presenting it as this conversation mm-hmm. but she's not engaging with it at yeah all. she's she's not gonna play no, she's, she's not playing she drop dead moron mm-hmm. and that's that's such a great danny moment that's part of why we love her mm-hmm. but it also is a flaw yeah and even part of it is the part of why she says the drop dead moron is because max is with her because she says she falls out of well it just so happens i have my big brother with right. me and so she's all, yeah, well, I don't have to worry about them beating me up because I've got Max here. And this applies very well for, you know, someone who has this protector figure that they're yeah. putting their trust in and maybe shouldn't. And in this case, it's because he's horrible <laughs> rather than because he is not, in fact, a match for Jay and Ice. But it still fits. The trait was also pretty hard because, you know, what quote and sort of sum up this character. And that's the thing with the trait. The idea is if a GM is going to be role-playing this character as an NPC, what's the quote that guides them in role-playing that character? And obviously something sassy, something snarky, but we have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So we wanted something that spoke to her moral center because we have her always take care of you forever and ever, her love and protector qualities. But we wanted something that spoke to also she does have such a very strong moral compass. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why she is so plain-spoken. So like, shoot from the hip, tell it like it is. She is is Godric Gryffindor. Very strong moral (laughs) compass. And also, we just really wanted to work this quote in. Yes. So for our trait, we have, it doesn't matter how young or old you are, you sold your soul, you're the ugliest thing that ever lived, and you know it. And also sort of her perceptiveness, that she's not just like all sass, all arguing, all hitting back. There's kind of a wisdom there that she wouldn't recognize that taking care of Binks would go beyond her own life, and we're trying to speak to that wisdom that she sort of recognizes the fundamental, you're sold your soul, you're the ugliest thing in the world, that moral compass and that wisdom, and that cups in with the plain spokenness to it. Mm-hmm. They, they've got her, like, tied up, they've got her captured, mm-hmm. this would be a good time to, like, try and soft-pedal things. But this is even the thing that she says that gets Winifred to be like, no, I am killing you right. dead. you are the one. Yeah. Exactly. This kind of goes very badly for her, mm-hmm. but she has this moral indignation and she cannot not express it mm-hmm. and that's what makes her danny and i think that's a good quote for role-playing danny yes also we wanted to include it also we wanted to include it yes because <laughs> danny honey you're selling your soul <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah. it's it's ironic mm-hmm. don't you think and so speaking of her having this moral compass her alignment Obviously, she's chaotic good. Uh-huh. Any questions? And that's also the source of a lot of the back and forth that she's having with Aslan here, because Aslan is lawful evil. So it's not just that she is this, you know, very sassy, plain-spoken right, right. type, and Aslan is a king who does not take any guff, but it's also that we've got the chaotic good and the lawful evil going back and forth at each other. Aslan has his reasons for having chosen her. You know, they, they do exist. We just haven't gotten to them yet. And she needs him because she wants to have enough power to be able to protect her family. So they are being forced into this <laughs> fabulous odd couple relationship mm-hmm. that is so fun to write. <laughs> One of the best role-playing games I've ever seen was the original Smallville Cortex mm-hmm. Plus Drama game. I know there is a new Cortex Plus Drama. I have it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and go over it yet. But it gave me some of the best GMing advice I've ever seen for any game. And I've used it for every game mm-hmm. I've run. And one of them is talking about relationships and talking about that the relationship should be a kind of a push and a pull. Yes. That something will happen that will bring the two people together, bring them closer, make them more friendly, 
and then something will happen that will push them apart. And that flow, that constant ebb and flow is drama. Mm-hmm. That gives us drama in the relationship. It was originally just sort of a linguistic trick that she was D for Danny, but having her and Aslan and these two so opposite people, but they do have this sort of common goal and in her desire to be powerful enough to protect the people she loves and to never feel helpless again, that gives us so many chances to have that push and pull. And hopefully, if you're one of those people that I hope are out there that have been following the meta plot, kind of interested in the relationship, that lets us do some interesting stuff with the relationship. Let's change from episode to episode to episode. Mm -hmm. That something will happen either... Azalyn will say something particularly cruel, like happened at the end of the Frozen episode, or Danny will be particularly bratty, or something will happen that will wedge them, but then a thing will happen that reminds her, oh yeah, I need this. I, yeah, need, yeah. I have to kind of you know, patch things up. And then that brings them back together again. And that creates drama. That creates drama. I was not planning when we were originally working on the Sleeping Beauty episode. We mentioned in that episode that it was very difficult for me to write Maleficent. And so Danny kind of getting captured and then released, we weren't planning on doing that originally. But that worked really well as a right, way to right. sort of bring them back together. Because Vanderkin's Guide to Ravenloft, it mentions the seeds of fear. And Danny was helpless and captured by a witch. That, uh-huh. was, that was hitting her on all the fear seeds. And she was, she would have done anything Aslan asked her to do in that moment in order to not be in that position again. So, the cat's out of the bag. The, the black cat that is from Salem and was mm-hmm. a guy named Thackeray Binks is out of the bag where he was put <laughs> by the Sanderson sisters. And you'll see how that plays out. But you might recall we mentioned that with the original third edition Gazetteers, where we where they introduced this character S, who was sort of modeling, part of what comes out over the meta plot over the course of reading all those Gazetteers is you get these clues that Aslan has a purpose for sending S out to these domains. He has like an overall plan. Hmm. <laughs> that cat seems like it's still in the bag. Yeah, that, that might be a cat that's still in the bag. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you like what we do and you listen to a bonus episode where we congratulate ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we, we're sorry if this one was self-indulgent, guys, but we, we wanted to do a little bit of a peek behind the curtain uh-huh. here. If this came across as being too self-congratulatory, you know, we, we do apologize. That's not what we meant. We're just, we're really excited about this. And we wanted to kind of share that excitement with any of our listeners who've been here from the beginning. Because this has been so fun to write the whole time. So. And if you think it's too self-congratulatory and self-indulgent, then uh, pay us money and we won't do it again. <laughs> uh, and Rachel, how could they let us know that they paid us money so we don't do it again? money this is a free podcast it will always be you know all our dm skill dread ups are always gonna be mm-hmm. free <laughs> tom is the the, the the doctor facilier in this relationship <laughs> he's going up freeloaders <laughs> i got kids to feed <laughs> but if you do want to contact us then you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at wonderful world of dark lords you can find us on tumblr which is also where you can find all of the former twitter dark mm-hmm. lords now and on Tumblr, we are Wonderful World of Dark Lords. 
Alright, I really thought future Rachel wasn't going to have to jump into her time machine and come in on this one because we recorded it after moving to Tumblr, but this is the whole thing with recording two months in advance. Things happen. Um, so a couple of points. We do have a write-up for Danny, like the Mist Wanderer NPC write-ups in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. You can find that on our Tumblr, on our Facebook page, and we also put it at the end of our Princess and the Frog write-up on DM's Guild because we figure if you read the Princess and the Frog write-up, the cat's out of the bag, you know it's Danny. So she's in there too. Uh, second off, uh, a couple things came together, and Ryo would call me a basic podcasting Venturi, I'm sure. I just, I, blah. But <laughs> I am so embarrassed to be saying this. Tom should be the one to be saying this because he's the one who hustles. But we have a Patreon. <laughs> A couple people were asking how they could support the show. Uh, we've been wanting for a while to have a way to get our listeners things like the Headless Horseman and the Raven Nebula for free. Um, this lets us do that. It lets us do director's cuts of episodes because, believe it or not, some of them are even longer before editing. We had a whole thing in the Princess and the Frog episode about, like, the difference between folk horror and exploitation that we had to cut, and it... it, it just kills me to cut stuff. And it's also a good way to uh, manage a Discord because we really miss the back and forth of Twitter and we want to bring in a Discord and, uh, you know, Patreon lets us kind of manage the flow of that. So, once we're, we're free, we'll always be free, etc., etc., etc. But if you want to support us, you can. Uh, and along those lines, we are not kidding about this whole Rachel rereads Hocus Pocus in the all new sequel so you don't have to thing. Um, our Patreon is $2 a month. If we reach $20 a month, then we're going to start having episodes of the Book Club of Dread in which we read truly terrible Ravenloft and Disney themed books and take the PG rated breaks off and tell you all about them. So, you know, come be our patrons, make us suffer. It's what Yensid would want. So if you want to financially support us without just kind of plugging a red circle, we do have our various... You're listening to a bonus episode about our meta plot. You've heard this plug before. Yeah, right. Blah, 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 blah. We just told you to listen to the Princess and the Frog episode. Right. This is all at the end of the Princess and the Frog episode. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 DMs. Kill, blah, 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 Van Richten's blah, Guide. Blah, 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 Mother Ghost. Blah, 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 my website. Blah, 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 Do blah, that blah. stuff. Yes. If you have it with us from the beginning... We love you guys. Mm -hmm. Like really, we're going to since we're being self indulgent here, yeah, right. and, you know, talking to talking to the people who are going to be listening to a, a bonus episode of Wonder Meta Plot. Thank you guys so much. We've really been having so much fun doing this podcast. Just it has been just such a wonderful, fun thing to do. It's been you know, we we weren't sure if anyone was going to want yeah. to listen to this, and. It has been so much fun being able to share these ideas, being able to talk about these ideas. We love when you guys come on Twitter and Facebook, and no one's come on Tumblr yet, but hoping to get as of this recording, but maybe by February you will have, mm -hmm. telling us about you know, the thoughts you've had while listening, or the ways that you would adapt this, or even if you weren't going to run these specific domains, like ways that you were thinking of kind of taking some of the ideas and incorporating them into your Ravenloft games. It's so much much fun to hear about this stuff and we just we, we love coming up with these we love sharing them and we love hearing about your thoughts on them so just th thank you all so much for coming with us on this crazy journey it has a little more than six months this is i believe our eight month anniversary nine months nine month anniversary perfect so but it's been a blast these nine it, months we love it, making this yes. podcast and we love that people listen to our podcast and thank you for listening to our podcast thank you so much you guys are great <laughs> thank you for everything and happy gaming
This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through MuseOpen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm calling the stinger on this one. This is after the credits. So, this is my theory about Hocus Pocus 2. Okay. All right, so my theory about Hocus Pocus 2 is that we know they were approaching Thora Birch, mm-hmm. and she wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that in an original draft of the script, that it was going to be Danny was there, and the Cassie character, the whole blood of the enemy, was going to be Max and Allison's daughter, who was, like, staying with her Aunt Danny. Mm-hmm. And all that nonsense... With Buster Bluth trying to which get a candy apple. Fun. Which was fun, but, but good lord. It just kept happening. And a lot of the stuff with with Billy Butcherson, which was also fun, I think that was like the space in the script where it was going to be stuff with Danny. Mm-hmm. So that like it was going to be we need the blood of the enemy. We're trying to get Danny's blood, but then we find out this girl is Danny's niece, is Max's daughter, so we take her blood instead. And that's why they had to kind of come up with this sort of new enemy for them to be that would have even tied Danny and Poppy slash Cassie originally into the story. So that's my theory. I've got a cork board. It's got red string. It's got newspaper <laughs> clippings about Thora Birch not being able to do Hocus Pocus 2. The end.